I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the web is clear, can do, can do. This is Bill Duncliffe. I want to welcome you back to another edition of the Can Do Horse Racing Podcast, where the heroes in history of horse racing come alive, part of the In The Money Media Network. Followers of this podcast know about my passion for the history of this great sport and my belief that educating the public more about the history of our sport, the heroes, the characters, the moments, is one important strategic pillar in growing the public's appreciation for our sport and for the hard work that hundreds of thousands of people do day in and day out to put on this show that we call horse racing. So followers know very well the name of our guest today, Jennifer Kelly, as well they should. Jennifer is the author today of two important retrospectives about some of the early heroes of our sport. Her book about the first Triple Crown winner, Sir Barton, it is entitled Sir Barton in the Making of the Triple Crown. In the spring of 2023, she released The Foxes of Bel Air, the story of how William Woodward built the renowned Bel Air stud on his family's estate in Maryland that produced two Triple Crown winners, Gallant Fox and his son, Omaha. Jennifer writes with passion and a keen eye for detail, which eliminates not only the equine heroes at the center of their stories, but the times and the milieu in which they wrote their pages in history. It was fortuitous that I finally got to meet Jennifer in person at the 2023 Kentucky Derby, just before The Foxes of Bel Air was published. She informed me then that, like any good author, she was already well into looking ahead and had a proposal out for her next book. Of course, nosy nabob that I am, I asked Jennifer when she would be willing to share some of those details with me. She's smart and she's sharp and maybe, I don't know, a bit superstitious, but rightly so, she said, let's wait until I get the proposal approved. Which day happily has now come. So Jennifer is now starting down that path again of digging, probing, gathering research, the hard work that has to happen before a single word ever hits the page. She's an academic and a historian, so she has the background and the drive to power through those labors that perhaps a reader might take for granted. So what I wanted to focus on in this podcast is that effort, that work, that blood, sweat, and tears that end up producing the highly readable, highly enjoyable works that she has penned. I get this writer's block, it comes as quite a shock, and now I'm stuck between a hard place and the biggest rock. Well, I, when I saw you in May, I was working on the book proposal for my third book, um, which is tentatively titled A Crown Most Splendid, The Evolution of the American Triple Crown. And I did get the book proposal accepted by the University Press of Kentucky, who published my first two books. And I'm excited to work with them again. Uh, I've given myself a timeline for finishing this book, but the press has said that if I need extra time, they're more than willing to work with me on that. So I'm just happy to be working with people that I've you know, already worked with <laughs> for yeah. several years now. So it's, it's nice to have a home. And, you know, it's nice to be able to tell people to go back to the press over and over again and say, look at the quality material that they're producing. Having already covered the birth of the Triple Crown with Sir Barton, I wondered about the different lens that this book would turn on that topic. The goal of the book is to focus in on how the three races coalesced into what we know today and then how that has changed over time to the point where it is such a major part of horse racing that, you know, you, you take it for granted. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's like I want to know what decisions were made along the way that brought us to this point, you know, and cover topics like the changing calendar and, yeah. you know, how the races, like the, the distances evolved or, you know, what how TV, how much influence did television have on it? How much influence, you know, does it have in our culture versus how much does our culture influence it? And then, like, when you get into the 80s, you get into the Triple Crown um, points series and, you know, the bonuses and that kind of yeah. stuff. So it's, it's yeah. really – the goal is to take everything that has happened over the last century or so that has brought us to this point and put it in one place and say, when you want to go back and understand how we got here, this is it. Here's the wire. It's too close to call. Was it real quiet or was it victory gallop? A picture is worth a thousand words. This photo is worth five million dollars. Jennifer mentioned a number of interesting threads to be unspooled, the calendar being one that has evolved over time and is debated even today. Jennifer makes some important points about what impact the calendar has had in the past and what impact changes might have if not well considered. You know, honestly, it's hard to it's hard to explain it without going into a lot of depth, and this is kind of why I want to do the book, was to, to understand what the thought process was to arrive at this point. Because initially, the Derby and the Preakness were scheduled for the Derby was the first day of Churchill Downs meet. The Preakness was the last day of Pimlico's meet. So that's why you have, you know, Sir Barton winning the Derby on the 10th, May 10th, and then mm-hmm. going to Pimlico to, you know, win the Preakness on May 14th because they weren't collaborating on this. They just scheduled those races based on the calendar they had already been following. And then as we get, you know, further into the 1930s and you have Gallant Fox and then Omaha, you know, everybody starts to tacitly cooperate in terms of scheduling and especially after 1922, when the, the two races fell on the same day, and no one wanted to back down from their schedule. No one wanted to, to be the one to say, okay, well, we'll move. And so then you get Morovich and Pillory winning, you know, basically within, like, 30 minutes of each other. And, you know, one in Louisville and one in uh, Baltimore. And it's yeah. they're, they, they learned really fast from that experience that – People were going to be upset if they continued that scheduling. And so that's when Pimlico and Derby and uh, Churchill Downs started collaborating a little bit more on the scheduling. Mm-hmm. And then you get into, like, by 1969, it's the familiar sequence that we're at now, which is, you know, Derby first Saturday May, Preakness two weeks later, Belmont three weeks later, which the Belmont's pretty much always been about that time of the year. It's it's probably varied a little bit, but it's usually been about that time. So it's really not moved that much. And then now that we're talking about maybe changing the schedule, you know, I understand people's impulse to want to do that because I know things are changing and evolving but like yeah. i was lis- listening to a podcast this morning about prohibition <laughs> and while <laughs> prohibition was such a good idea on the surface it had all these unintended consequences so i'm like if you want to change the calendar that's great but you know like plan this out so that you can try to mitigate all those unintended consequences as much as possible <laughs> No, that, you know what that you know that's a, that's a really good point, and I'm a I'm a big believer in looking at the law of unintended consequences. And I say that as one who just you know two minutes ago said 
I'm in favor of stretching the calendar out. But as you as you say that, then you start to think about, well, what does that do to the Haskell? What does that do to the Travis? What does right. that do, you know, all of that? Well, all this is predicated on everyone cooperating. So <laughs> you've got individual jurisdictions because, you know, we are – racing is set up not – as a national, you know, scene, but as a, a conglomeration of individual states running their own, you know, racing. And it's like, you've got to get, you know, Naira and Churchill and Pimlico and then Monmouth and all these jurisdictions to cooperate so that you can, you know, make the calendar fit the needs of, you know, of your current situation so even if you know one racetrack decides to move their the date is going to have to be okay well everybody else is going to have to fall in line and kind of be cool with that or it's going to be chaos (laughs) cooperation you will likely know tends to be the bane of our sports existence in a lot of ways not just in terms of the calendar there doesn't seem to be any will to cooperate well, they have cooperated to this point because that's how we've gotten the calendar that we have. But, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you know, you can't have one jurisdiction arbitrarily get, you know, just decide to move it without there being a cavalcade of, right. you know, consequences afterwards. As I was talking to Jennifer, I was thinking about how daunting it has to be to cover this topic with the scope she is rightly envisioning. So we spent a few minutes talking about the process of writing and the long path from conception through research to writing. One side note, Jennifer mentions author Milt Toby. His book, Unnatural Ability, The History of Performance-Enhancing Drugs and Thoroughbred Racing, was also published in 2023. It strikes me, Jennifer, that, you know, I just made the kind of list of things, you know, the calendar, uh, the distance changes, the impact of TV, the, the 70s kind of golden era, the bonus, ser- the, the bonus uh, series of the Triple Crown, you know, that we had over time. It's a pretty broad... Mm-hmm. Except that you're covering, so I would imagine, you know, <laughs> in, in terms of process, you must uh, you got to construct like an outline, I guess, first, right, of how you're going to attack this. Not necessarily to how you're going to tell the story, I guess, but an outline of how you're going to attack it, I guess, right? Oh yeah, and that was a big part of the book proposal. Yeah. And when I before I turned it in, I made sure that you know I put a lot of thought into it, and I had collaborators on. The, the outline in Milt Toby first, who was a wonderful guide for doing something with such a large scope because he had done that with the book Unnatural Ability that came out this past August. So Milt was a really nice, you know, voice to bounce ideas off of. And then I followed that up with, you know, talking to Jay Prisman because Jay had all this experience covering Breeders' Cup and covering Triple Crown, and, you know, and how things had changed since, Breeders' Cup became part of our calendar. And so it mm-hmm. was I, – I couldn't have done this alone. And I'm fortunate to be at the point that I'm at where I have a plan. Even if I've not started, you know, writing it, I still have a plan because other people have been able to help me wrap my head around something that's such an ambitious, yeah. Yeah. you know, thing to be uh, trying to do. <laughs> the research kind of begins to suggest the writing. Right. I mean, you might have a plan in, yeah. in terms of, the, but but the research starts to tell you, I guess. You know, I think, right? How, how to how to, or at least suggest ways to tell the story, right? It does, because I mean, I, I if you look at both for Martin and Foxes, they are operate on a you know linear timeline of beginning, middle, and end, 
and then the waypoints milestones in between you you assume are going to be one way and then as you start doing the research it kind of points you in a different direction so you can see like how it turned out with foxes that i had to i had certain topics i thought were only going to take a chapter that ended up getting split into more than one chapter just to make sure that i covered the material and with um so far with crown even though i haven't really done any sort of writing i'm I decided that I wanted to start with an examination of why the number three is significant in our culture to understand why we landed, we landed on the number three, you know, the English triple crown, the American triple crown. And so I'm that right now is probably going to be the introduction, but you know, at some point I might get deep enough into the research where like, well, maybe this needs to be integrated in a different way. And so. You know, that you just have to have be flexible in terms of where the material is going to take you and not be so, like, hemmed in by the plan that you, you're unable to be flexible and unable to be creative. You know, it's interesting to about the, the power of free. Um, you know, I'm in, I'm in sales and have been for a long time, and I remember one of the early sales training seminars I took, the, and I've always run with this, the uh, presenter talked about the. He talked about the power of three. People can remember three things, mm-hmm. you know, that they walk away with. And and mm-hmm. so in terms of sales presentations, things don't clutter up your slide. Let's say with more than three things on it, you're not going to remember yeah. them, right? So, right. Um, you know, you can use that by the way if you want to see your example. Well, I mean, it, it's 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 universal, I think, and you know, it shows up in a multitude of ways in our culture and yeah i'm only going to be able to really look at it from you know the view of western culture because that's you know what we're in i guess and you know with everything from religion through you know what you're talking about with sales concepts through you know i'm sure there's it comes up in law it comes up in a lot of different places and yeah, I just I I started emailing cultural anthropology professors trying to find someone that could help okay. me find a, a couple of resources to explain it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I was kind of stuck for how to do that, and I think I, I probably emailed a half dozen or more cultural anthropology professors who all said, "Oh, that sounds like a really fascinating topic. I have no idea how to help you with this." <laughs> <laughs> And I got lucky that, you know, a mutual friend of mine pointed me to her former advisor, and he he supplied me with some resources to look at. But, I mean, you know, it was just one of those weird days of how do I do this because I know I need to do it, but I I don't know how to do it. (laughs) It was interesting to hear about the linear approach to storytelling in her first two books versus what her thought pattern is as she's begun to dive into this work. I love how Jennifer has already spotlighted the significance of the number three in our cultural lexicon as a jumping off point. Those are exactly the types of fascinating historical side trips that aren't really side trips. They instead enhance and color a history an element that frames the story in a clever way for the reader. And of course, that's just one small, significant, but small as compared to the whole, part of the story. Jennifer is estimating that the laborious, unseen process of researching, probing, finding, in this particular case, will be a four-year effort. The light in that tunnel is a long way off, so I wonder about how one persisted in that kind of lengthy journey. It's just going to be an interesting process to write it, which is why I've given myself four years, because I didn't want to be hemmed in on timing. 
Okay. I was, I was going to ask you about your timeline. And, and as we were talking about it, I was like, because you mentioned timeline up front, as we were talking about it, I'm like, man, this is, this is a lot of work. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it needs to be done because every time we have a conversation about changing the calendar, I want to have that resource there so that people can look at it and go, okay, well, why do we do it this way? And, you know, and have all the information behind them. And we don't have a resource like that. So I thought, well, might as well. <laughs> that's no, good for you. That's, that's, that's great. Um, how do you, how do you keep yourself? There must be times where, you know, I'm sorry, I'm struggling with this. Do you keep yourself motivated throughout that time period, right? I mean, and, and I don't want to put a dark cloud on it, but it's going to be something that comes up from time to time, I would think. Oh, yeah. It it came up uh, often, not often, it came up enough during, right, you know, the first two books in the process of writing them that I would end the day going, does anyone really care what I'm doing? And then, you know, I would come upon some tidbit or, you know, I would have a conversation with someone, whether it's someone one-on-one or on social media, and it it was a, re- a reaffirmation that people do want to hear about this. So it's if I can keep getting feedback from people, you know, yes, this topic interests me, yes, this is something that we would be love to read. And, you know, I talked to uh, the Keeneland Library people about what I'm doing, and they were – excited because it's essentially groundbreaking they're like yeah. you, you're writing something that's never been done before and you know it's it's gonna it's ambitious and it's gonna be it might seem intimidating but you know they're like this is a necessary addition to to the canon of horse racing books yeah, and I, was, I was like all right so that's my motivation even on the days where i get nothing done <laughs> well that's I, gonna I, be it I would bet that even on days when you think you have nothing done, you, you did, right? It's, it's just pretty, it's, oh, yeah. it's, you, you're in the, sometimes, you know, you're in the middle of it so deep, it's hard to see how yeah. far you've actually gone too, right? Right. Um, oh, yeah. Jennifer knows this is something she won't do alone. There's a place for you too, listener. Take note of how you can possibly figure in the telling of this important history. So I'm telling, I'm, Every time I talk about the book, I tell people, if you have some tidbit of information that you think is usable, that you Mm -hmm. think would be helpful, please pass it along to me. Because these secrets about all these details about this, you know, how this developed are not going to be in one book or two books or three books. It's going to be hidden in little nooks and crannies, you know, off, you know, details mentioned um, just on, in passing or anything like that. Cause I, I found a piece of information I was looking for in a daily racing forum article that was essentially just a list of like tidbits from that month. And there was this one line yeah. that, you know, I just happened upon it accidentally. And I thought, well, whole, you know, I needed this. I'm so glad I, you know, got like found this wayward article that I would never have looked at, you know, except that. It had this keyword in it, and then I found this piece of information I need. And so if your listeners are, you know, come across something they think would be useful to me, please pass it along because you never know. (laughs) You never know what's going to be consequential until you actually look at it and, you know, think about how it factors into the the whole. Yeah, and Jennifer, just to that point, uh, to contact, you do have a website with a newsletter, correct? 
I started a newsletter because I didn't want to do a blog. And, okay. and I assume people are interested in listening to me ramble about stuff. So uh, hopefully they're interested in listening to me ramble about stuff. Um, so at Jennifer Kelly writes, there's a newsletter sign up. And right okay. now the newsletter's monthly. Uh, the goal is to share the progress of the book and to also share the other work that I'm doing. I'm very grateful to Jennifer for spending this time to talk with me about her latest effort. In fact, I'm flattered that she allowed me to be the first to share this great news with the reading public. We'll stay in touch with Jennifer as she goes down this long and winding road, but we'll make sure to keep a tight lid on the nuggets that the end reader will most enjoy when he or she unearths them. We'll be back again soon with another edition of the Can Do Horse Racing Podcast. In the meantime, may good health and happiness and gratitude for both, for you and your loved ones, be yours today and always. I got the horse. Ride.